0: I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life.
1: The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Bonus edition. Bonus
0: edition. Yay. Okay, well, before we get into listener questions, it's time to announce that our YouTube subscription giveaway that we did, where we, uh, if you subscribe to YouTube, then you emailed us, then you were entered into a giveaway to win any piece of merch that we would uh, get shipped to you. And we uh, randomly drew, we had like over 50 maybe.
1: Yeah. We had a lot of people subscribe, but the people who actually also emailed us and let us know they subscribed and stuff like that, who followed all the directions, was a, was a little bit north of 50
0: people. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. Um. So we randomly just picked a number and counted to that email and that, listener is nicole g in the czech republic isn't that so cool
1: yes it was super cool and sorry we didn't announce this earlier we want to make sure that we could get the piece of merch to nicole and all mm-hmm. that stuff and we yeah we didn't want to announce it before nicole had actually received this stuff so yes. anyway that makes sense
0: so we wanted to let y'all know that the giveaway is over and that um nicole has received their whatever the merch was i think it was a shirt right yeah and don't feel too sad though, because we'll definitely do more of these in the future because it was really fun.
1: Yep. Yeah. Thank so. you all for subscribing on our um, YouTube channel and it was super helpful to get a like a good number of new subscribers on there. And a lot of you guys, of course, are people who have already listening to the podcast and um, are avid listeners. So we appreciate you guys doing that. And we'll definitely do more because you guys did a great job. So thank you. Yeah,
0: y'all. that was awesome. It's really fun to hear from people. And a lot of people left little nice notes in their subscription Mm -hmm. email where they'd say things like, oh, thanks. I love the show or whatever. So that was also really encouraging. So we have such great listeners who are so communicative and I'm really appreciative of that. Yeah. Same. All right. Are you ready to get into these questions? I'm ready.
1: I'm very ready. Are you ready? You're the one who has to answer them. Mostly I just (laughs) have to read them. So.
0: Yeah. I think I'm ready.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. first one is from Tim P., um, our patron, and he uh, he can read it himself. We might end up adding that in for the audio version, but I'll read this for the uh, video version. Why do people think that baking soda and vinegar will clean better than detergent?
0: Okay, I've wondered about this. So um, we've kind of talked about the reaction between baking soda and any acid before, uh, like on the difference between baking soda and baking powder episode and a few other things where... Yeah. Baking soda, uh, when it reacts with an acid, basically turns into carbon dioxide. So that's the bubbles that you see and water. Mm -hmm. And so technically it neutralizes each other. So neither of them is really basic or acidic anymore. Mm. But I do have a few theories about this. One, I think baking soda by itself is actually can sometimes be good because it can be kind of abrasive. And if the thing that you're trying to get clean, if there's an acidic component, it will react with the acidic thing. Okay. And then same thing if you're pouring vinegar and you have something that's somewhat base basic, it could, you know, react with a basic thing. Right. But the other thing I think is more likely actually, I think it's twofold. One, it makes those bubbles which I think can get into small spaces yeah. and and make debris sort of bubble up and make it easier to wash away. And then two, in my experience, most of the time there's leftover baking powder. And so I think it almost makes like, yeah, the abrasive paste Mm. that then makes it give the feeling that it's cleaning more effectively. But I'm not sure that that is actually true. In Mm -hmm. my experience, I don't usually use baking powder and, or yeah, baking soda, sorry. And vinegar mixed together to to clean things because I'm like, well, these are just going to neutralize unless it's something that I'm like, Oh, these air bubbles might help me. Out.
1: Right. I have, and I, but I haven't heard someone say this before uh, that it's better than detergent. It's just that there's a couple of things that I have had that have the directions of how to clean it have said, use baking soda and not always even vinegar, but I look like, Baking soda and warm water.
0: Baking soda by itself oftentimes is something effective to clean. But okay. when you mix it with vinegar, then I get confused because I'm like, are these just, oh, I just hit the mic. <laughs> are these just go, aren't these just going to neutralize unless you're relying right. on those air bubbles for something?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. There's, there's a part of our roaster that, that asks you to only clean it with baking soda. And the big part of it is like, I just want to follow directions.
0: Mm-hmm. And then it's
1: something goes wrong i like our warranty is
0: acidic right
1: right right but it's a part of the roaster that it's part of the exhaust so i don't know if it has anything to do with the actual like coffee stuff it's just like cleaning out a part that gets hot and gets like just dirty over time and stuff
0: yeah and i have heard people put baking soda in like in their laundry sometimes to help eliminate odors and mm -hmm. people put vinegar i've heard mixed reviews on that Sometimes we'll do um, vinegar too if there's a buildup of detergent in the the washing machine. Yeah. But I actually interpreted this when he said better than detergent. I actually interpreted that to mean um, like any kind of soap is like sort of a detergent. I didn't think he meant Uh, literally laundry detergent. Right, right. I thought he just meant like, like in the shower, to clean your shower, some people use soaps and some people use, you know, these combinations. Yeah, interesting. So I don't know. That's my answer. I have the same question and I'm not sure, but if you're a professional cleaner and you have feedback, we'd love to hear it.
1: Yeah. hundred percent.
0: And both of them, I think separately, I have used both of them separately to clean things. Yeah. But when you combine them, I just, so that was how I interpreted his question.
1: Yeah. Interesting. This next one's from Audrey M. Audrey asks, so if butter comes from whipped cream, which comes from milk, why is butter yellow? And <laughs> she did the emojis like this, like with the, just the eyes Side only. eyes. Side eyes. Is it unnaturally colored or does that color change take place as a result of the proteins being denatured like eggs?
0: I actually think it's neither. I think that I very briefly Googled this and I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. But I actually think we could probably do a whole episode on this. Mm. But my guess is, so, well, this part isn't a guess. This is a fact. Butter has a lot of fats, you know, which are long chains of molecules, which are usually not very polar. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of um, pigments or things with colors are also long and not polar. And so with that background knowledge, I quickly Googled and something said that there is a pigment in milk, but it's so dilute in the milk that it doesn't really come through. But then when you isolate the fat, the pigment moves with a fat. And so it gives a slight thing to butter. Mm. a slight tint to butter. Right. And that makes sense to me. I can't swear by it. And I try not to spend too much time researching for these Q&Rs, but I love that question. I was like, I never thought about that. That's such a good question. Yeah. And then when you whip up butter, a lot of times it loses that color.
1: Right. Right. Which
0: I'm wondering, is it because then like there's enough air in there that's kind of not concentrated again. Interesting. That was a really good question, Audrey. Audrey also asked as a, maybe a follow-up to butter, mm-hmm. what our stove top popcorn recipe is. Ah, yes. <laughs> and I think both of ours have changed since we first shared it with each other. Yeah. After thinking, I think I may have learned it from a friend in college, Autumn. Yeah, you,
1: yeah, you said Autumn. <laughs> yeah. You said that in the last episode okay. too. And in person, in real life. But what one time M asked you that and you're like, "That I remember her making that. But I don't remember knowing it well enough to tell you. And so that was like, it's, that detail's kind of floated around in the yeah. story. Somewhere. So who knows?
0: <laughs> I, the more I thought, I was like, the more that sounds right. But I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So I think both of ours have changed quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Also, I wanted to say, too, whenever I was editing that episode, <laughs> there was a point where M was like hanging out near me working on charts or something like that. And she got such a kick out of the fact that that <laughs> story wound its way into one of our episodes. She loved it so much.
0: I think, it, did you tell her on her birthday? She texted me on her birthday, I think. It may have been. <laughs> well, it
1: might have been the night before that, actually. But yeah, anyway, super funny. That was funny. I can give the short version or if she just wanted to post it, Which we do?
0: Uh, let's give a quick version. So I don't actually do it on the stovetop usually anymore. Right. I got... I can, yeah. but I got, um, one of those for Christmas one year, I got this thing that's like a silicone ball and it's collapsible. And I actually just made this yesterday cause we had a cute movie night at home. Um, but I just pour the popcorn kernels into like, uh, the bottom layer of the bowl. There's like a little line that's like a fill line. You uh-huh. know? And then I just drizzle enough oil that they're coated, like a little coat with a little bit of excess. Uh-huh. And then you just put it in the microwave with a little lid on for about two minutes and it pops. And it's just less work. Totally. So I've uh, switched to that lately. Yeah. And then what's your, you still do it on the stovetop.
1: Yeah. We still, we still do it on the stovetop and ours is pretty simple, but it plays a little bit more work than what you're saying. But it, what's nice is that I feel like it's pretty scalable depending on what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's like using a pot, which is pretty large. And, and um, but what we do is we put a layer of oil, That's just enough to uh, basically spread across the whole bottom of the pot. Mm -hmm. Um, Not be like a lot, but just just to where it's covering the whole bottom. And then we put in one quarter cup of kernels most Mm -hmm. of the time, but it can can handle more than that. Um, Oh, actually, you put that to the side, and you just put three kernels in the oil at the beginning and put the put yeah. the stove on like a medium or like slightly below medium heat. And then once all three of those kernels have popped, those are your test kernels. You take it off the heat, put the quarter cup of kernels in. Sorry for people who don't use cups, um, like we do over here. Yeah. <laughs> you can look up a good conversion for that or whatever. But um and then shake it around in the hot oil for thirty seconds with before you put it back on the heat. So it's getting all like it's getting all the kernels as ready to pop as possible mm, yeah. without actually introducing more heat, just getting them kind of up to temp a little bit. And then you put them back on, all the, all the audio folks didn't get to see my shaking.
0: Yeah, here's miming That the I shake. was
1: doing for like an odd amount of time. <laughs>
0: and,
1: <laughs> and then put it back on the heat um, and let them pop. They all pop pretty quickly and you kind of do the classic thing of when it starts slowing down and there's a lot of space between pops, we take it off and pour it out quickly. What I sometimes do though, is when I add that quarter cup of kernels, I add some butter then as well. Mm. But I don't always do that. And then we just salt yeah. it um, after we get it out.
0: Into yeah, the usually so- with the oil, it has enough flavor that I don't usually need to add butter. But like yesterday, we did a movie night at home and we put like our uh, couch that, that's like a little love seat that has a recliner built in that we inherited from somebody's grandpa Uh Um, we put that like right in front of our TV. So it felt like a movie night. And I was like, well, for movie popcorn, you have butter. So I did put melted butter on it for that. But usually I just salt it when it comes out and that's, you know, enough flavor.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like this. Just salt Salt is most time enough for me too.
0: I think when I did it on the stove, I didn't do the test kernels. I would just pour kernels in oil and shake it around and then put it on the stove. Oh yeah. And I think it was fine. I do think sometimes it you could maybe burn if you weren't paying close attention though. Yeah. So there's probably benefit to doing it that way. But if that's intimidating, as long as you don't let it go too long, you can't really mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. Just try it.
1: Yeah. Also my wife, and I don't have the details of this one, so I'll have to get it if, if you're interested. But um, my wife has done a kind of like, it's not quite kettle corn recipe, but a a way to make it a little bit sweet with the salty and, she does honey and something else, but I don't know the amounts and I don't know when she adds that. I'm sure it's after. I just don't know exactly how and when and stuff like that. So, but she loves doing it that way now a lot because she just loves kettle corn and it's, it's close enough. Yeah. So.
0: Well, that's fun. So we need- Thanks for asking, Audrey.
1: Okay. Ready for this one? Yep. Is there a way to access your dissertation and or thesis. This is from David M.
0: Um, Yes, technically. Well, and also no. So my thesis, (laughs) my master's thesis, I'm sure is available somewhere, but you can also just find the paper online. And if you really want to read it, you can reach out to me. And that's easier to read and more concise than the thesis because a lot of times what you do um, in chemistry is your thesis is just the papers that you've written and published. And you tie them together for your dissertation. It's often multiple papers. And for a master's, it's often one long paper or two small papers, you know? Yeah. So, um, you could just ask me for the paper and that'd be better. Honestly, my dissertation thesis, we did not make available to the public because it hadn't been published in peer reviewed journals yet. And we didn't want to effectively get scooped, you know? So we, um, (coughs) we waited a little bit. So you actually can't read that, but you can. The paper, the first chapter is published in an in a journal that is open access mm. called the Royal Society of Chemistry, Chemistry, Education, Research, and Practice. So you can just go read the first chapter if you wanted to. It's, um, I guess technically it's a second chapter. The first one's an introduction, but it's just a paper available online and you can look it up. And we've submitted the second chapter, although it hasn't been accepted yet and it can take a long time. Uh, especially with revisions and the third chapter we are still in edits on our side, um, mm. but it's like close to be submitted. So probably the fastest thing, I think we actually put a f- three or four year embargo on my dissertation. So probably the fastest way is just read the papers as they come out. But if you really want it, you can email me. I would give it to you. Nice. I don't care.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is it's so much different deal than just like letting it be out there for everybody. It's like, yeah, by request, I mean, you know, how crazy could it get, you know? Yeah,
0: I'll just send you the first paper and the second one that's been submitted, so. <laughs> yeah,
1: great question. Um, this one is from Kaiba, and <laughs> this continues the the discussion we had, I guess it's a couple of q ago now, but yeah. it's a hot dog sandwich. So he said, I've seen that a hot dog is not a sandwich, but a taco, and I've got to share that. But my question is,
0: no, that's my question. Oh, you added that. Sorry. <laughs> so,
1: Kai B. just said, "I gotta, I gotta ask that. Gotta throw that in there. Um, it, that a hot dog is not a sandwich, but is a taco."
0: Okay, so for me though, my question is, why is a taco also not a sandwich? Where mm-hmm. do we draw the line? I mean, obviously, a taco is uh, you know from a different culture than I feel like sandwiches are pretty American. Maybe not. Maybe they're also British, but
1: yeah, definitely
0: different, different culture. Right, but. But also, it's technically it's like bread folded around a filling. Yep. So that feels it feels like they're in the same category to me.
1: Yeah, i I would say gut instinct, but I'd have to think about it a little bit. Um, that I would put hot dog and taco different because in my mind, a hot dog has two buns, but they are connected.
0: Mm-hmm. But they seem
1: to be two different pieces of bread, which-
0: Like barely connected.
1: Barely connected, which is a lot like a sub sandwich. Mm-hmm. Whereas like we do have wraps and even wraps that aren't tacos are wraps and not we sandwiches. We call
0: them sandwiches. That's right.
1: So my thought would be like, in that case, what changes is there's one clear piece of, you know, mm. bread-like stuff that's wrapped around. And that's not how I feel hot dogs are. But the other thing is the difference in tortillas and wraps and stuff, that kind of thing. It's not um, bread that rises. It's flat. And, you know, it's like we don't call um, other, there's other things that have- Flat bread. Yeah, a flat bread kind of deal. My thought is that that makes a difference too in the distinction between sandwich and not sandwich. Hmm. Is, are there sort of two parts of bread? And also is the bread, has the bread risen in some way?
0: Interesting. What I like about this question is that it forces you to think about patterns and categorize things. And that's, we've already talked about this, but that's why I make my students have this conversation the first day of class is I'm like, I don't know that there's, there's not a right answer. People wouldn't just be having this conversation, but it's so interesting that we get to like think about the categories and the patterns and why we draw the Mm -hmm. lines the way we do. And also what is our perspective versus someone else's perspective. Yeah. So I just really like this question. Yeah. Kind of a, <laughs> a funny perspective thing that happened to me is I was studying at the library and I told my friend I was in library room three. Like I mm-hmm. stuck my head out, looked at the door, it said three, I texted that. And then when she got there, she was like, "Um, you're in study room two. And I was like, no, I'm not. So I opened the door and showed her the sign. She goes, weird, I thought that said two. And then we just both went back to working. And then when I left, I turned around and realized that on the door itself, it says study room two but there's a little sign next to the door that says study room 3. What the heck? So we were both right and I was like <laughs> that's a good lesson in perspectives yeah. and like where you're standing impacting what you see and think.
1: <laughs> it's very true except that it in reality the realest reality and not just labeling but it if you're numbering rooms it can't be both two and three. <laughs> like,
0: it can't just, it can't be both two and three. What happened, yeah, yeah. I think was originally there were three study rooms. So that was a permanent sign. And uh-huh. then the first one got repurposed.
1: Uh-huh. And so they
0: changed to study room one and two, instead yeah. of just saying study room two and three and there being no study. room Right. One. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 That that's is, what actually happened. I think. That's so funny. So I love that. <laughs> uh, okay. That was a, that was a fun little trip down perspective. <laughs> and uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's funny. Okay next question is from Mohammed and Mohammed says, which type of bonding is the strongest type?
0: Okay. So I didn't know if he meant like literally which type, or I found a paper that looked into which literal bonds, like I think they said hydrogen cyanide and things like that, which actual bonds between what element or what? Yeah. Elements uh-huh. and atoms are the strongest, but I, I, interpret it initially to mean like on the scale from intermolecular forces, which aren't really bonds, but just electronic attraction between two molecules all the way to um, like ionic bonds. Mm-hmm. I think of that as kind of a spectrum. So all of them are just electrons being attracted to one another, like a partially positive, partially negative being attracted to each other. And there are sort of cutoff values, but like intermolecular forces are individual electrons as part of a molecule that are bringing molecules together. So that is some type of attractive force, but it is relatively weak. I think hydrogen bonding is kind of like on the edge of covalent bonding, which is where electrons are so drawn to one another that they are. They say that they're shared between right. two atoms, and so these are these two atoms are bonded together. It's no longer just like a temporary attractive force, but they're at least semi-permanently held together, you know? Yeah. But even within covalent bonding, there's a spectrum of, of stronger and weaker covalent bonds. And even like if you have a single bond versus double bond versus a triple bond, that changes the level of attraction between those two atoms. Mm-hmm. But on the far side of that is actually ionic bonding, which... Is where an element is given up its atom to an. Switch that, sorry. An atom has given up its electron okay. to another atom. So one has got a fully negative and the other has a fully positive charge, and then they are bound together by their attractive forces. So it's almost like they're not even sharing electrons anymore. The electron has almost completely gone to one side, but. But now one's negative and one's positive. So they want to be together is kind of how we characterize that. Yeah. And I would say that is the strongest. And a good way that you can tell something like that is to look at melting points. Mm. And did your printer just turn on for no reason? Yes,
1: yeah, seems like it just did. So that's weird.
0: weird. There's a kind of a storm happening around us. There's thunder rumbling, and now if you can hear the background noise of a printer, that's why. It just <laughs> turned on. It was not on. It just turned on. Yeah, very weird. Very weird. <laughs> okay. Spooky. <laughs> it was but, like electrical surge or something. Maybe so. <laughs> anyway, so I would say the ionic bonds are the strongest, and, and often you can sort of look at the spectrum of, like, well, I guess that might be more intermolecular forces if you think of, like, what melts more easily. Mm. Because ionic bonds never melt. They just degrade. Okay. Like you don't usually, you're not usually able to melt salts. Uh-huh. It just starts to break down or its melting point is really, really, really high. So. Yeah. So I would say ionic bonds are the strongest to break. That's my thought.
1: Good question. Dang.
0: Yeah. So we just went on a whole trip about what even is a bond. Yeah. I've thought about doing an episode like what even is a bond, mm-hmm. but I just don't really feel like that's a question people think about every day.
1: Right, right.
0: So that's why we haven't talked about that in an episode in itself. A good question, Muhammad.
1: Yes, very good one. This is one that we have an episode about.
0: Mm-hmm. how
1: does some block work? Caroline V asked this on Instagram.
0: Okay, so I included this because Caroline V asked this and then Neil asked about tattoos. Mm. And I was like, I responded to both of them on Instagram. We already have those episodes. And Apple podcast, if you're that's what you're using, it does not have the best search function. Like you can search chemistry tattoo and maybe we'll come up, but also like people use chemistry as like, you know, the chemistry between two people. Right. And so it's not the best, but on my podcast app uh, that I use more frequently called Stitcher.
1: And mine too, which is not Stitcher, which is called Pocket Cast, but same thing.
0: You can go to the show and search in the show. So a lot of times if people ask like, oh, have you done this? And I'm pretty sure we have, I can't remember the name of the episode. I will use that search function to find I, I literally, oh, sorry, I hit the mic. I literally went to Stitcher, pulled up our podcast, typed in Tattoo, copied the name and sent it to Neil. So yes, we have, if you're interested in looking through our library for something, I found that that's actually the best search function. Mm-hmm. Even Google, if you type in chemistry for your life in a topic is not as effective yep. consistently as within the podcast app yep. itself.
1: So maybe look for a different podcast app that can do that because I think a lot of them can and they sh- many of them should be free so yeah I think you might have to up, but you might be glad you might be like oh this is so much easier mm-hmm. and then for our podcast and others you might be glad to have it so
0: so I just wanted to say that instead of answering Caroline's question I'm answering the underlying question which is how can I find out what you've done an episode yes. on and where can I get those episodes
1: yes and um also we'll tell you
0: yeah, we will tell you. Yeah. yeah, usually when people ask that, I just respond back and say, "We did that episode already. It's yeah. called this, you know." But yeah. I do go and search it usually.
1: Okay. Very nice one. Yep. Or one that actually is sort of
0: Oh, this one's for you. I'll read it. Okay. Okay, so this is from David M and he asked Jam, "What advice do you have for a budding dad to be? We're a few months away and I'm starting to get nervous, but so excited."
1: That is awesome. First of all, congrats to you and your spouse and excited for you guys. So, yeah, what a tough question. (laughs) This (laughs) is hard. Um, I here's a couple of thoughts and I just know uh, this is the kind of question that later on, like, I'll be driving around somewhere Mm. and be like, oh, I should have said this. Dang it. Yeah. But it's one of those things like anything where you get used to it. And you do kind of forget how to be helpful sometimes like, oh, right. What's well, the thing I wish I had told me or whatever. So anyway, I'll apologize ahead of time for not being very exhaustive or helpful, but a couple of things. One, um, I found depending on the situation, this would, this would vary, but, um, say you and your wife are having like a biological kid or you and your spouse are having a biological kid. And so one of you is caring for the other one while one of them is pregnant. Yeah. For these months that like you get closer and closer to a due date I found that my, that was the situation I was in, um, that my role initially stayed very much the same because uh, in the later months of pregnancy, you are helping your pregnant partner or spouse or whoever just do stuff, you Dysfunction. know? Just
0: function. Just <laughs> function and
1: do, do things for them, get things for them, all that kind of stuff. And I discovered that early on in my situation, my role basically stayed that way because that was the most helpful thing. My wife was still recovering from just all that had happened and also was regularly the one who was needing to hold the baby most often and, you know, feed our baby and stuff like that and was, you know, aching and <laughs> yeah. and getting up and getting food. And all kinds of stuff. So keeping my wife fed and happy and hydrated and all that kind of stuff was a big part of it. And I found that the initial... Phase was just keep being the hands and feet of my partner. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um
0: Yeah, that's similar. The one thing I've heard is like if you're uh, if the mom is nursing, yeah, the partner should always be doing something while the mom is nursing. So yeah. if the mom's nursing, you're making them food. Yep. You're doing the dishes, you're like cleaning bottles, if you're also using bottles, you're running laundry, like yeah. you're Always doing something to help the household run because they're also doing something to help the household yep. run. Yeah. But I'm not a parent, so I didn't know if that was good advice. So I actually wanted to ask you yeah. if that was something you thought.
1: I feel like, the, but there is this feeling of uh, I, I, I've talked to many dads, and I felt this myself that you kind of feel useless at first because there is these like inherent bodily functions that, in many cases, the mother is performing with the baby. Yeah. And we got to find our other stuff. We got to find our other rules, but um, you can kind of feel like, well, what do I do? And also instinct isn't always kicking in. Whereas a lot of moms will, will talk about something that kind of kicks in for them. Uh, the other thing I would say too, as, as a, uh, a new dad, just be patient with yourself about that stuff and just try to be helpful. And um, I think one of the things that's kind of interesting is that there's a connection that a lot of moms have, with the baby before the baby's even born because they've been feeling that for a long time. Yeah. And as dads, that can just be kind of harder to feel and don't worry about that. It's okay for it to feel like not a super strong connection to this little creature right out of the gate. Um, It'll come with time. So that's yeah. another thing. Don't freak out if you're like, uh, I don't feel like a sense of ownership about this thing yet. And also, I remember my wife and I both feeling like they just let us like leave the hospital with this thing. Oh my gosh. Like (laughs) you kind of feel unqualified. Even moms feel that way too. So it's like, it's normal, but uh, just be patient with yourself. Those are the two things that came to mind in the, the minutes that I had this question in mind before we started recording.
0: Something also I've heard from like the wife perspective is a lot of times, even as the kids are getting older, the dad just refers to their mom a lot. So it's like, okay, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Instead of them sort of taking initiative. So that's kind of putting work back on the the mom to have to think about, like hold everything in their mind. It's sometimes called the mental load. But if you're just like, look around and decide, you know, what would be helpful and start doing something, a lot of times that's the best move because you're not relying on them to think through what needs to be done all the time. That's a harder one to... I think to build because it is more natural. I think maybe just either biologically or by society that moms think about all these things. I've noticed, but that's something I've heard uh, my friends who are moms express that they wish, like, "Oh, I sometimes I wish I didn't have to remember everything." You know,
1: (laughs) as soon as you can create a situation where the mother of your child can go on a walk, or go, oh yeah, take a nap, or go target and look at clothes or go mm-hmm. get a soda, whatever. And you, um, sometimes they're not ready. So that's fine. Don't push it. If they're not, if they don't want to do that. Right. But if they can have a break from having a baby attached to them or, or, be, or holding it. Oh yeah. Very good. For I've them. heard
0: that too. Like they get, they're like, moms are like, I'm so touched out. Like there's yep. always a baby touching me and I just want to go be by myself at target. Yeah. I've literally heard them say that. I just want to go to target. Yep and not even have to do anything just yeah. go walk around even if i have to buy some groceries but just being by myself yeah.
1: this was yeah. this was like that's always a factor i'm sure but uh, i felt i feel like ours was even more increased with the covid baby situation where oh, yeah. my wife was, was felt very cabin fever and all that kind of stuff very crowded but um yeah and then also gives gives you a chance to watch the baby by yourself no one else to defer to you got to do it you got to try things what, oh, why are they crying? I'll, I'll change the diaper. Or why are they crying? I'll try to give them pacifier. I'll try to like walk around and like bounce a little bit. It just, you get time to try things because it's your kid too. And you got to try your things. There's things that I would do that worked great for me. that didn't work as the same way for my wife or she had a different tactic. Yeah. Which makes sense because she can actually you know, breastfeed. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, we got to find our own ways to, to parent our kids. But, um,
0: I also know that there's, you might be in this dad's group, but there was a dad's group where one of the dads was like, here's everything I try when my baby's mad and like sent it to his friends. Yeah. It's like the dad's guide to getting your baby to stop crying or yeah. whatever.
1: But it's nice. Cause like anything we all, we all learn by doing and also by yeah. doing poorly some, but, um, if you send your spouse, partner, wife away or whatever, and let, you try it on your own for a bit. You will figure some stuff
0: out. That's so. good advice. Yep. I'm glad we have a seasoned dad. And Jim's kids are great. And he seems like a great father from my perspective. So he's a good one to get advice from.
1: Yeah. most has never seen my failures. My, <laughs> my biggest ones at least. <laughs>
0: um, so the next thing David asked as a follow up was what are both of your best dad jokes? And I have an answer to this one immediately. You go first. So this became my favorite dad's joke because my friend Hannah said it. Okay. As I was hugging her to leave at a, like some event, I said, I'm so glad I got to see you. And she said, I'm glad you got to see me too. (laughs) And I was like, that's such a dad joke. And then my husband said, oh, Roy says that all the time, which is his, uh, sort of his like step grandpa. Oh yeah. And then the next time we saw Roy, I hugged him. I was like, I'm so glad I got to see you. And he said the (laughs) same thing. And I was like, you're right. That's great. And um, my aunt's husband, who is also a grandpa, the last time I saw him, when I hugged him, I was like, I'm glad I got to see you. He said it too. Oh my gosh. So that is my current favorite dad joke <laughs> is I'm glad you got to see me too. It's so funny. It's a good one. Yeah. It's clearly lighthearted. It's a, it's just a good one. Apparently I say, I'm glad I got to see you a lot, but so that's my favorite. What about you, Jim?
1: Um, this is more in the form of a sort of set up and punchline kind of thing, but still a very dad, like I would say, um, why did the baby um, decide to, uh, how would you word it, I guess? Why did the baby decide to go into labor or decide to start trying to be born is the question. Something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So I should ask that. I'm asking you. Oh, you're asking me. Um,
1: Why did the baby, I don't know, break it to water. Whatever you want to say. However you want to say it as if the baby is the one like <laughs> doing it. Was it was
0: ready to be out of there.
1: Because it ran out of womb.
0: Oh no, <laughs> that one's very cringy yeah very that, cringy. and that's a real joke you, no. mine's just like a, a not had dad dad comment yeah, yeah. you know
1: I, yeah. another one that's like a comment kind of thing is like um have you, have you ever heard like someone's it's like yeah you know I'm, I'm from philadelphia and it's like boy your arms must be tired
0: i'm from philadelphia there's
1: like there's, i forget the way that it's usually said it I think it. I think it's usually said if you, uh, um, uh, flew.
0: Oh, uh, I flew in from Philadelphia and they say the your, Oh, because you yeah. flew, you fly.
1: I was thinking so much about the your of with the parts that I just <laughs> forgot how it's typically set up. Things oh, like that.
0: <laughs> but I think
1: most of the best dad jokes are things that you can use just
0: mm-hmm.
1: in conversation. Like, like people, I'm hungry. Yep. Oh, I'm bad. I'm dad.
0: hungry. Nice to meet you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love stuff like that.
0: My brother did say he, when he had like kids with friends, you know, it's like, oh, it's funnier now to mispronounce, like to say their name wrong on purpose. To uh-huh. be like, oh, who's that? Like, not like Jordan, but I'll call him John or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's like it drives them crazy. And that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, wow.
1: This isn't it's, exactly a dad joke, but one of my favorite movies is this um, 80s. that mostly holds up. It's, uh, there's probably a couple things that maybe are a little outdated in it, but this old 80s comedy um, called Fletch with Chevy Chase. Mm. And there's this part where someone asks him, um, can I get you anything? Just in a very generic way, you know? Mm -hmm. Like as if I was going into the kitchen here while we're recording and I asked if I could get you anything. There's a very short list that you would expect that I mean by asking you that.
0: Yeah, like water. Like
1: water or coffee or something. Um, But in that movie, Fletch, he says, do you have the the Beatles' White Album? (laughs) (laughs) Just like, what am I going to do? Like, go get that and bring it back to you? Like, what?
0: Yeah,
1: I just love, I love the fact that you can take a very normal question where people have a specific set of things they're expecting you to respond with and respond with something that's very outside of that um, and see what they say.
0: So. Okay. Well, I'm going to change the subject now okay. because this is a good dad joke review and oh, we nice. wanted to start to, um, to, to sort of shine light on some of our reviews that um, are positive. And to thank our listeners for sending them on our Q&R. So I'm going to read you this review. It's from someone in Australia. And those don't always show up on your Apple podcast reviews. If you're in the United States, we get them sent to us. All reviews of your podcast will get emailed to you. So um, this one is called STEM-elating, but they (laughs) (laughs) put STEM, S-T-E-M, like (laughs) science, technology, engineering, math. (laughs) And he said, I did STEM over 40 years ago but I didn't learn any of this fun, t- fantastic chemistry. This <laughs> is such a dad. <laughs> well done for making chemistry accessible. Keep up the good vibes, Sean. So I thought that was fun. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a good dad joke one. <laughs> and then there's another one. You can read it, Jam, that um, Jessica sent into on our website on the Contact Us page.
1: Oh, yes. This is less of a question and more of a loving review. I just listened to your bonus edition where you talk about whether or not coffee gets hotter in a thermos. Melissa, you mentioned that being in the thick of the tough, zoomed-in parts of learning chemistry, that's so true, and that is disheartening. I want you both to know that this podcast is reminding me every time I listen why I find chemistry interesting, keeping my morale up, and even even after I get my degree, I'll still be listening because I want to keep that interest alive. Thanks so much for all you do.
0: So thanks, Jessica. That was really sweet. And I was thinking also, I realized regarding that episode about whether or not coffee gets hotter in a thermos. Uh-huh. Um, Grant, our friend who wrote in to ask that question, showed up at work, or er, not at work, at church with a mug that his friend had given him as a surprise. And it says, It's not hotter. I was wrong. And he signed it his name in May of 2023.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he admitted defeat for their like uh. years long. Um, (laughs) debate about that because of the podcast. And Grant
0: sent a picture of it to me and said, "Um, the greatest accomplishment of your podcasting career. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which I would argue that maybe the very exciting news that we've hit 1 million downloads is better than... Proving Grant's co wrong, but yeah. Yeah, totally. I'll take it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Both very, very good. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, that's all I have for us on this QR. I'm really glad we got a chance to hear from our listeners. I always love these episodes. I think they're so fun. And um, we're really thankful to all of you for supporting the podcast. It would not be possible without you.
1: Yes. We are so grateful for y'all's questions and for y'all's feedback and reviews and all that kind of stuff. If you have a question or an idea, you can reach out to us on Gmail. Or Twitter. Actually, never mind. Don't do either of those things. Do it on our website at chemforyourlife.com. Mm-hmm. It's chem, your to share us on ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the cost of making it, you can do that at patreon.com slash chemforyourlife and join our super cool community of patrons or tap the link in our show notes to do that. If you're not able to do that, you can still help us by subscribing on your favorite podcast app, rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us share chemistry with even more people.
0: This episode was made possible by our financial supporters over on Patreon, and it means so much to us that you want to help make chemistry accessible to even more people. Those supporters are Avishai B, Bree M, Brian K, Chris and Claire S, Chelsea B, Derek L, Emerson W, Hunter R, Jacob T, Christina G, Lynn S, Melissa P, Nicole C, Nellie S, Stephen B, Shadow, Timothy P, and Venus R. Thanks again for everything that you all do to make chemistry for your life happen. We could not do this without you.
1: Yay, chemistry.
0: Yay, chemistry.